you so much. All right, well, Merry Christmas, everyone. What a, how exciting it is. We had a great gathering at our Modesto campus at four o'clock today, and we're delighted you're with us for this six o'clock gathering uh, for Christmas Eve. And uh, from our family to yours, we wish you a very, very Merry Christmas. We hope that you have a great celebration, and we're going to give you some some things here in a few minutes that you can do as a family to celebrate. For those of you that are are guests here, you're visiting, maybe visiting family members, we're delighted you're with us. We hope that you find this to be an enjoyable part of of your evening. Praise God. Well, we have been doing something at New Life for a while. We've been looking through a book called The Story. If you aren't familiar with what the story is, uh, it's this book. It is the Bible that is written for us in chronological order. Your Bible that you have is laid out in 66 books, but it's not in the order in which it actually happened historically. So this puts it in order so it reads more like a novel. It's written in 31 different chapters, so it's not the entire Bible, but it's, it's enough that we can understand the theme of God's word all the way through. And we planned and strategically put this together so that we would be at chapter 22 in the story on Christmas Eve. Because the title of this chapter is, The King is Born. So I want to talk to you tonight a little bit about this, but if you've been going through the story with us, um, you're going to be on, if you haven't been going through the story with us and you're, you're visiting or you're a guest or, you know, you just haven't, um, I'm confident you're going to get something out of this this evening and I trust that you have or will embrace the overarching theme of God's word and that is that he is passionately pursuing a personal relationship with you. That's the theme. From beginning to end, God himself is passionately pursuing a personal relationship with you. And so what we've been doing, if you're you're curious, we have been going through the Old Testament for 21 weeks as a church. And I think that we've learned a whole lot of things as we followed the history of God's people. God's people in the Old Testament were the Jewish people. Now, we're living in the New Testament times. All we, we're all a part of the family of God. If we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we're grafted into the vine, we're part of the family. But in the Old Testament times, it was the, the Jewish people. And consistently woven throughout all of the Old Testament, the thousands of years of history that we've taken a look at, has been this prediction, this, this promise that one day God was going to send the Messiah, He was going to send his one and only son. We know him as Jesus, and he was going to come on the scene. But up until this point, God had done everything he possibly could have done to develop a relationship with his people. He blessed them. He provided for them. He cleaned up their messes. How many know God still cleans up our messes, right? He he sent people to help them. He sent prophets to warn them. Get your act together, man. This isn't going to end well for you. But they didn't listen and they didn't learn. So here's what happens next in the Bible God decides, I'm going on a stretch of silence where he's kind of building this anticipation with the people that the Messiah is coming, that the Savior of the world is coming. And I mentioned last weekend, that's why when you look in your Bible, in most every Bible, when you look in the Bible, there is a a blank page between the Old Testament and the New Testament. 
A lot of people tend to think, well, that's just there. It's coincidental. It's the publishers do that, and it's kind of a dividing point. No, it's there by design. It's there in your Bible to remind us that there was a period of time between the book of Malachi, this last final prophet, this dude that God sends to tell the people of God, knock it off. You're messing up your life. Quit living like a fool. <laughs> Just like we like to, can we hear those things? Occasionally I have that job in the church too to kind of tell you, right? We're all, we all get it, right? We all act like a fool sometimes. And so God sends this prophet, this guy named Malachi, to tell him, hey, you know better than this. But they don't listen. So God says, well, that's where the blank page comes in. I'm gonna, I'm gonna close the book on talking to you for a season. And this season, you're not gonna have any idea how long it's going to be. But God knew it was going to be about 400 years. And so what I wanna do is I wanna talk to you tonight for the few minutes that I have with you, I wanna talk to you about what do you do during the parts of your story that are marked by a blank page? What do you do when it feels like God is giving you the silent treat. Now you might have come tonight and said, aren't you gonna tell us the story of the baby Jesus in the manger and swaddling clothes? Yeah, we'll get to that. But we have to understand, this is Christmas Eve. Jesus wasn't born on Christmas. It's like, it's my birthday Eve. Like, on my birthday Eve, I wasn't born. That's the night before I was born. And here's the deal. They don't have like future binoculars. They didn't know the night before Jesus was born that it, you know, it, it has been 399 years, 11 months, and, you know, and like, like 29 days. They, they didn't know that tomorrow the promise will be fulfilled. They had no idea that here we are living another day and God has been silent. How many of you know there are times in your life, you don't even have to like, acknowledge it by nodding your head because I know it's true. And some of you are there today. There are times in your life where you feel like God is silent. You, 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 you try to talk to him and you feel like, you know, he's just giving you the silent treatment. He's, he's ignoring you. I don't think he's even listening to me, Troy. So what do you do in the silence? What do you do? when you're in that blank page in your journey with God. Some of you came in here and your life's been turned all upside down and inside out. You got stuff. And we don't wanna just gloss over it on Christmas Eve because we got a pretty tree in our house and we're gonna eat a great meal tomorrow and we're gonna be able to give the kids some presents that they'll rip open in less than five minutes, right? And the one you think they're gonna love is not the one they're gonna, you know what I'm talking about, right? All, it's not about that. What, what was it that led up to this silent night? What do you do when God seems far away? What, what do you do when you can't hear his voice, when you feel like your prayers are just kind of bouncing off the ceiling? What, what do you do when you cry out to God in a moment of, of desperation, when you're going through a trial or you're going through a challenge, and God just kind of seems silent? What do you do when the parts of your story are marked by a, 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 blank, a blank page? What do, you, what, do you, what, do you, what do you do then? That's the same question some 2,000 years ago that everybody had. Because God, God had been, 
God had been silent. So here's what I think you do. You do the same thing I do, and you probably ask this question, God, why don't you do something? It's not, it's not really even fair to call it a question. It's kind of more of a demand. God, why don't you do, you are God. I mean, you spoke the world into existence. You said that I'm your kid, and if I know how to love my kids, how much more do you know how to love your kids? So why don't you do something? How about that, God? Why don't you do something about this tough, tough time I'm going through? Why don't you do something, God? Why don't you do something about my, my finances? I'm working my butt off. Why don't, you, why don't you do something about my marriage, about my relationship? I'm, I'm broken inside. Why don't, you, why, don't you, why don't you do something with my kids? Why don't you do something in my family or with my loneliness or deal with my, help me with my addiction? Or do something, God, and you just hear silence. For centuries, it's about 100 years older than the United States of America. For centuries, they've been silent. Um, there are many books besides the Bible that were written that help us understand the history of that era. During the 400 years, God was silent. That means there wasn't another page written of the Bible. There wasn't a prophet. There wasn't a priest. There wasn't anybody. There wasn't a, there wasn't a pastor. There was nobody that God was giving words to. He was speaking to nobody. It wasn't like a wink and a nudge. I'll speak to your family because you're like, cool, right? It wasn't that. 400 years. But things happened during that 400 years. And there's some books that aren't part of the Bible, but they're considered good historical books. And they're, they're, a couple of them are called the book of First and Second Maccabees. Sounds like it could be like Bible books, doesn't it? You know, they got all these long words and stuff, but Maccabees. In, in First and Second Maccabees, uh, particularly Second Maccabees, it has a story, lots of stories that happened during this 400 years of silence. So it kind of tells us things that happened to people. Because we have so many children here tonight, I can't, I can't tell you the graphic nature of some of the things that took place with these people and families. I can tell you there was one family, you can fill in the blanks, there was one family who uh, the father had already passed away and, and so the, the enemy leaders come in and to these uh, Jewish people, God's people, and takes the mom and the seven kids and takes them out to the edge of town, gives them a bunch of choices, but the family stayed strong. They didn't give, to, give, to, give in to temptation and, and all of them together went to heaven that night. I ask myself the question as I think about what happened to this family, true story, what that mother had to go through with her children. And I ask myself, thank you God, that, that sounds amazing, how could she do that? But here's, here's what I want you to really understand, are you with me? She heard from her mother, who heard from her mother, who heard from her mama, who heard from her mama, who heard a pastor or a priest talk about God because they got a word from God. But it had been 400 years, generations, and God had not spoken on the earth. There had not been a fresh word. There had nobody that had, had said, you know, God really gave me a word. I want to share that with you. There had been no words of encouragement, no words of wisdom. There had been nothing from God, not a prophet, nothing. And yet this mother 
held on to her faith from the generations. Even the, I'm telling you what, to me that's a, it's a big miracle. It's impressive that that entire family held on to their faith based upon a God that they read about, based upon a God that they heard about, based upon a God that they learned about, but never a God that they spoke to, never a God that they heard a fresh word from, but they still held on to their faith. They stood the test because God was still at work. And if they could hold on in the silence of centuries, generations, you can hold on to. You think God is silent. God, why don't you do something? Allow me to whisper as the voice piece of God a response to that question. In case you're asking that tonight, God, why don't you do something? And here's what God is saying to you. I'm still at work. I'm still at work. I'm still here. I'm still working on your behalf. I used to be a school teacher um, before I became a pastor. Some of you didn't know that, but I was a junior high teacher. Yeah, um, and I taught eighth grade. And, and I knew I had this fresh class every semester of eighth graders. It was a one semester class required by the district. I was the only teacher of it. So in the public schools, I knew that I was gonna have literally a thousand students every year that would come through my classroom um, that I have to teach them. And they have to pass this class to be able to move on to high school. Well, um, I, I knew going into the class that I was gonna have to do something really, really creative. So at the beginning of each school year, I remember each semester, I would walk into the classroom looking at the students, knowing a teacher's um, strategy is to go in like a bull and then you can always lighten up later on, right? So it, they were no longer in the United States of America, they were in Troyville, right? They, 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 this was my nation and I, my rules go. And there's no elections, there's no vote here. Um, anyway, anyway, that was kind of my thing with these guys. And I had a little bit of fun with it. But, but I knew that I had to get them to pass this class. And how many of y'all know what a required class is oftentimes not something you're interested in? I needed them to be prepared for the final exam at the end of the semester. It was like 45% of their grade. And the curriculum was what I was given, so I had to teach it. And, and so throughout the semester, I would answer all of their questions. Throughout the semester, I would give them creative instruction. I would try to really inspire them and hold their attention. Throughout the semester, I would give them worksheets that would guide them. Throughout the semester, they would have homework so they would study them. And throughout the semester, they would have lots of notes that they would take so they could pass the final examination at the end of the semester. Y'all with me say yes. yes. But at the end of the semester, when the students would come in on that final day, I would tell them, have a seat. Put everything underneath your desk, except, except for a number two pencil. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? You remember those days. Yeah. Everything needs to be put away. And the only thing you can have on your desk is a number two pencil. And as the teacher, I would distribute to them the examinations. And then as a good teacher... 
I would go sit down at my desk and I would shut my mouth and I would remain silent while the students took the test. Could, could it be, is it possible that God has prepared you for the test? You don't think you're gonna pass. You don't think you can make it through this. But God has prepared you for this moment in your life. You've been on a journey you didn't even know you were on. You've been learning from lectures you didn't even know you were hearing. You've had creative instruction before you and you didn't even realize you were in class. God has answered all of your questions and if you don't know what the answer is, you gotta go back to the textbook because the answers are right here for you. And you might need to ask a teacher along the way, hey, help me understand this. But could it be that the reason God is silent in this season for you is because, because it's test-taking time? The challenge that I would want to give to you at this Christmas Eve gathering is be faithful to the end. It may seem at times that God has forgotten you, that he is silent, but here's the encouragement. Um, here's what I would tell you as a teacher, and I think here's what the master teacher might, might tell us also. Uh, pick, pick up your pencil and go to work, baby. God might seem to be silent, and you can waste your years screaming out, you're silent, or you can take, you can take the test. You can do the work. James 1.12, blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. For when he has stood the test, stood the test, stood the, taken the test, filled in the bubbles. When he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Amen. Christmas Eve, the night before, the night before the silence ended. And how did it end? I'm glad you asked. If you got your book, you can follow along page 312. Most of you probably didn't expect to bring your book tonight, but it's on the screen as well. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. The world, the world, the then known world had been occupied by one nation, and that was Rome. And so it's like the United States being occupied by by Canada or something, right? It's like, oh my gosh, we're going to fight back. I don't know, that's a terrible example, but you know what I mean? But it's just like we're occupied. And so it's being taken over. And so Caesar Augustus said, uh, I want to know how many people are living in each province. So what's going to happen is everybody's got to go back to the homeland where they were born at and they've got to sign in for the census. This is the first, this is the first census that took place while Cornelius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house in the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. There's the scandal of the ages. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She, she, she wrapped him in cloths 
It's kind of a foretelling of 33 years later, Jesus would be wrapped in clothes. Placed him in a manger, which didn't even belong to the family. It was borrowed, which is also prophetic of 33 years later that Jesus would be placed in a borrowed tomb. There's no guest room available for them. There's no, there was no grave site available for Jesus then either. And there were shepherds. All this is just so cool because Jesus was the shepherd, the great shepherd. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby. These shepherds were homeless and so was Jesus. Keeping watch over their flocks at night. Jesus keeps watch over you. Why at night? Because at night it seems like it gets worse, doesn't it? You ever been sick? You ever dreaded when the sun goes down? Hmm. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord showed. Now we just an angel of the Lord appeared. Sounds exciting. Let me tell you why it's exciting. Because for four hundred years, nothing had happened. Silence, and all of a sudden, dude, you're a shepherd, right? You're like um, rank because you've been out with the sheep, and all of a sudden, in the middle of the night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and it says the glory of the Lord shone around them. It's like a high beam halogens all around them, and they were freaked out, terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, right now, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find the baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. And then suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts, a ton of angels. I don't know if it, I'm wondering, was it all of them? I just, wow. Appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory! Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. The silence is broken through a baby's cry. God is with us. You know, if I was God, I might have chosen a whole nother scene, right? I might have chosen a whole nother way. Like we're talking about fanfare, right? Pomp and circumstances. It might have really been. Why was it so ordinary? Shepherds and a stable and manger and animals and borrowed and but because you, you and I are pretty ordinary. And he wasn't coming back for the elite. He was coming back for all of us. To me, guys. This, this, is, this is the hinge of history right here. What we just, just read. That moment some 2,000 years ago when God himself traveled from heaven to earth at just the right time. And that's what the Christmas story is all about. God delivering on his promise. He will still deliver on his promise. Remember the one single storyline, the one thread that's woven throughout the entire Bible, the whole story is God will do anything to get you back. 
God will do anything, including sending his only son to die a criminal's death upon a cross of shame so that we could be set free. That is the Christmas story. And, and that, that storyline, would you put that last slide back up for me, Marissa? I appreciate it. So, that storyline, God will do anything to get you back. That's what's being fulfilled in this moment that we're celebrating on Christmas Eve. Mighty God, thanks for your word. Thank you, God, that we don't have to just, we don't have to just look at the story through the same lens. We don't have to just look at it as fantasy or fable. We don't have to look at it as story time and we've gone and grown way beyond that, but we can actually see the purpose, the plan. God, there are so many of us that feel that you're silent, that you're not helping, that you're not speaking, you're not responding, you're not supporting God in certain areas, in certain seasons, in certain times in our lives. And God, I want to address that right now. So ladies and gentlemen, on this Christmas Eve, if that's you, you felt that way, God's not mad. He wants you to acknowledge it. He wants you to know, though, that he's always been here. He's never, ever going to leave you. He is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. If you're struggling because you feel like God's been silent and you can appreciate the Christmas story a little bit more now because it's a little more applicable to your life in real time, and you want to tell God tonight, thank you. Thank you, God, for acknowledging how I feel. And thank you for reminding me that you're with me even now. If that's you, heads bowed, eyes closed, would you just acknowledge God right now and wave your hand up in the air and say, God, that is me. Thank you tonight, God. 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 You know, one of the things that we're charged, you can open your eyes, one of the things that we're charged to do as the, as the church, as the family of God, it's not an organization, it's a family. One of the things that we're charged to do is we're charged to tell everybody else the good news. I mean, it's like we have the antidote to the worst pandemic that there ever was, and it's not coronavirus, it, it's sin, right? And, and our antidote, the antidote, the only antidote is, is not money, it's not, it's not, you can't work your way in favor with God, it's... It's just forgiveness. It's grace. It's Jesus. And so our job is to share that good news. And it's a wonderful thing when you start sharing. And so symbolically, what I'd like to do is, is I'm going to, we've got like one real candle, but like the fire marshal like frowns on real candles in churches, and I can appreciate that. So we're going to use these things. So leave them off for a minute. And here's how it's going to work. I'm going to like figuratively light my candle on this one and then I'm going to come and touch like Larry's and Shakia's and they're going to like touch others and you're going to pass it around and we're going to dim all the lights in here and we're going to hold our candles up and we're going to sing that song Silent Night. Now realize the song Silent Night talks about the coming of Jesus but think about the words. It had been silent for a long time. 
And yet God, at just the right time, sent his only son. Can we dim the lights and let's begin to sing.
ultimate supreme promise keeper that at just the right time, you sent your one and only son into this world to be born innocent, fragile, to grow, to live, to teach us, to perform miracles, to heal bodies, to restore sight to the blinded eyes, to make the the lame walk and raise the dead. But ultimately, you came to give your life as a ransom for ours. And for that, we say thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. Thank you, Father, for sending the Son. And we wish you today, Jesus Christ, a very happy birthday. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Before you go tonight, got a couple of gifts for you. Number one is a little, I like to give you something every Easter and every Christmas. And this year, we're gonna, I'm, I think we're going to give you these on the way out, I believe. And yes, I think so. We'll pass them out whenever we can. But I got a pencil for you as a teacher. And we attach to it a tag that says James 1.12. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. For when he has stood the test, he'll receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Listen, I don't know about you, but I like to keep these little things on a shelf somewhere nearby to remind, listen, how will it, what will it remind you? God, you're not answering me. I don't know what, pick up your pencil and take the test because God has prepared you for such a time as this. <laughs> and secondly, one of the traditions at New Life is, is on your way out. We've got a beautiful display and I want to thank the team for putting that together, but we are going to give you a cake mix. I know it's crazy, isn't it? We're going to give you a cake mix and we want you to go home and make a birthday cake for Jesus sometime this weekend. Make it a part of your family tradition. I don't care if you use the oven or the microwave or the easy bake oven. I don't care what you do, but I want you to make a, make a cake. for. But here's the other thing. Are y'all with me? I would like for you to take a picture with your family of, of the cake. And I don't care how messed up and nasty it is. Just take a picture of you and the cake and post it. New Life CA. Uh, uh, New Life CA on Facebook and uh, we just just put it on, on there. We'd love for you to uh, show us a picture or you don't know how to do that. Just text us a picture and we'll post it for you. But we would love to see all these cakes and happy birthday, Jesus. Make it a celebration in your family because it's worth taking time to celebrate the purpose, the reason uh, for, for Christmas time. Somebody say amen. amen. Praise God. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you. May he lift up his countenance upon you. May he give you rest and may he give you peace. From, from my family, from our staff, from our team, to you and to your family, we wish you a very Merry Christmas. Praise God. God bless you, friends. You are dismissed. Amen, 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 amen.